If you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them please to the third gospel, the gospel of Luke. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled Women of Faith. And we're looking at some of the great women in the Bible that you may not have given much thought to. But I believe somehow, someway, they're in God's Hall of Fame. Unknown here on earth, but they're known in heaven. Because they are women of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But those that come to Him by faith, they shall never be denied. And they shall be rewarded. Women of faith. Tonight, a grieving mother's faith. A grieving mother's faith. Luke chapter 7 is the story beginning with verse 11. This is the only place in the Bible this story is found. Dr. Luke writes, And it came to pass the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him, and other people followed. When he came near to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man being carried out, out of the city, as Jesus came into the city. He was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And many people of the town or the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he spoke to her and said, Weep not. He came and touched the coffin which held her son. And they that carried him stopped and stood still. And Jesus spoke to the young man in the coffin. He said, Young man, I say unto you, Arise. And the young man who was dead sat up. He began to speak, and he was given to his mother. There came a fear over everybody. A reverence came upon everybody, and awe fell on everybody. And they began to spontaneously glorify God. They said, a great prophet is risen up among us. No, they said, God has visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea, throughout all the region around about. And the disciples of John the Baptist who watched these things went back and reported to John what they saw. Our story is about a funeral. Funerals today are very expensive. Funerals today are very elegant. Funerals today are very elaborate things. Let's think about a funeral today, if you will. The person who is deceased is picked up wherever they might be. They're carried to a stately old house, oftentimes an old mansion. It's one of the historic places in the particular town or city it's located in. Or they're taken to a more modernized building. 
that has the latest designs and colors and furnishings within. Wherever they go, the stately old mansion or the modernized building, they're immediately taken to a back room where the body is prepared with state-of-the-art equipment that will preserve the body, protect the body, polish the body, make the body look prettier. It's amazing what they can do. And then a stylist comes in, a hairstylist. And she makes up the hair of the deceased just the exact way they used to wear it. A makeup artist comes in. And they use a a little dab here and a little dab there, the Brill Cream thing, you know. And really take the years off that person. Take out all the wrinkles. Take out all the blemishes. Make them look good. And then they're dressed in a fine suit of clothing. Then they're placed in a bronze casket that has decorative corners and cushions that match. And then people come from all around And they comment as they look at the deceased in the casket, my, oh my, how good they look. And people say nice things about them. And then later there's a service held and songs are sung that they liked or the family likes. And a eulogy is given unto them. And then their body is sent off with a bang. A limousine is waiting. And they're loaded up into that long black limousine. And they're taken to a beautiful cemetery that's well-groomed, immaculate. And they're placed into a prepared hole where they will spend their days in restful bliss. You might say, That's living. (laughs) I mean, that's what we do. Impressive? Yeah. Beautiful? Absolutely. First class? No doubt about it. Awesome? You better believe it. But you know something? The one who goes through all of that is still dead. There's no degrees of dead. You don't have a first degree dead or a third degree dead or a seventh degree dead. Dead is dead. When you're dead, you're 100% dead. And by the way, one day we're going to die. The upper taker doesn't come. We have a date with the undertaker too. One day I'm going to die if Jesus tarries. One day you're going to die should Jesus tarry. The latest government statistics that we took $10 million of taxpayer money to find out was this. One out of one will die. Don't you love Washington? They know how to spend their money, don't they? Somebody said, nobody gets out of this world alive. And they're right. So our story is about a young man who's died. A young man who is headed to the cemetery of his day for burial. Now his mother is poor. 
Therefore, his funeral is going to be very simple. His body has been washed. His body has been fragranced. His body has been dressed. He's been put into a cheap wooden box. And he's being carried, not driven in a limousine or a chariot, but he's being carried to the cemetery that's outside of town. And there he'll be placed in a hole, maybe a pauper cemetery. Because again, his mother doesn't have much. Now what do we know about this young man? Dr. Luke doesn't really tell us much about him. How old was he? I don't know. How did he die? We don't know. Was he a good boy? Was he a bad boy? We don't know. Did he live with his mother? We don't know. Did he care for his mother? Was he a, a provider for her since, he, since dad had passed away? We don't know. All we know is that a young man of a widowed mother is dead. And he's on his way to a grave and his procession meets Jesus. Can you picture this in your mind? They're carrying him on a stretcher. His casket's on that stretcher. Maybe the casket hasn't been covered yet so you can see him in the casket as they're carrying him to the cemetery. His grieving mother is behind. The whole town is with her because they feel sorry for her. They have compassion on her. And as they're going out, the Son of the living God is coming in. Death is going to meet life. The Lord stops the procession and He sees the mother's tears. Amy Lambert, who is a dear friend of this church and your pastor, she has a song that I love. Kim sings it very well. Tears are a language that God understands. And as Jesus approaches this processional and he sees the young man lying in the box dead and he sees the mother crying, those tears move Jesus. I want you to notice it says in verse 13, he had compassion on her. That word compassion in English, doesn't say a lot. Can I give you what it really means? It comes from a Greek word that means great sorrow. Not just sorrow, great sorrow. Not just sadness, but great sadness. Not just great, not just pity, but great pity. When Jesus sees this mother, who is a widow, who now has no husband, who now has no son, who now has no children, who's about to go through life alone. And in that day, a woman by herself was a shame. Jesus is moved. 
And that word compassion means he's not just moved. He's moved to do something. What Jesus saw broke his heart. Because remember, he was a man as well as God. And with a broken heart, Jesus joins her in her sadness and sorrow and pity. And he decides he's going to do something. The tears of this mother have broken the heart of Jesus. Never underestimate, ladies, particularly those of you that are mothers and grandmothers, what your prayers can accomplish. Because God has a special place for widows. He is the father. He is the husband to the widows. And he will take care of them. Nobody else will, but he says, I will. And so gripped by her tears, Jesus is now about to act. Now that brings us to a question. Maybe you're thinking the same question that I was thinking as I was preparing this. Why did this mother's tears break Jesus' heart and move him to respond when many people have cried before Jesus? I mean, there's a lot of people that Jesus met in his three and a half years of ministry who who were broken, who were crying, who were in need of him to do something But he didn't often do everything. Why did this particular widow's tears move him? Why did these particular tears break his heart? Why did these particular tears compel him to do something? Can I suggest to you? Because they were not just tears of sorrow... They were tears of faith. May I suggest to you that maybe this widow had heard about Jesus. Maybe she had heard about what he could do and what he had done. Maybe she heard about who people were saying he was. Maybe in some way In her mind and heart, she had an understanding that now that Jesus is here, something can happen. I don't know that. I'm just speculating. When I get to heaven, I'll know. Because I'll ask her. But right now, you, you just speculate a little bit. Jesus stops the processional. And he's about to do something. And by the way, this is the first time in his ministry he would do this. He would only do it three times. This is the very first. What is he going to do? He is going to raise her son from the dead with words that are very soft and tender, but with words that have authority and power. 
Jesus speaks. First of all, he says to the mother, weep not. He's not reprimanding her. He's not being harsh to her. He's saying, ma'am, I see you're going to be okay. I'm about to dry up your tears. And then he does by speaking to the young man that's in the coffin. Young man, I say unto you, arise. And with these words, can you picture this in your mind? That young man, washed and cleansed, fragrance and dressed in an open casket, headed to the cemetery to go into the ground. He sits up. Ray Stevens had a song about the dead sitting up. And he says, I stopped sitting up with the dead when the dead start sitting up. You old folks know what I'm talking about. Well, this young man sits up in the coffin. Can you imagine that if you went to a funeral and the person in the casket all of a sudden moves up? Keith, if that ever happens, you're on your own, brother. These 63-year-old legs will move fast out of there. God bless you. And then he speaks. You see, it's important he speaks because Jesus didn't want people to think that maybe this is just rigor mortis moving the body upward. He spoke. I wish we knew what he said. That would have been a good thing to hear, wouldn't he? What did he say? When we get to heaven, we'll know that too. But he spoke. And then Jesus helped him get out of the coffin and gave him to his mother. That's what that word delivered means. Jesus took him to his mother. I'm sure she's stunned. The whole crowd is stunned. As that mother and son embrace. And now there's tears again, but these are tears of joy. And they head back home together. The Bible says the crowd that was there broke out glorifying God. What does that mean? They started shouting. When's the last time you've been in a church where people started shouting? They started dancing a little bit in the spirit. They started celebrating. They threw in some hallelujahs. They quit their moaning and said hallelujah. They said amen. A celebration broke out that wasn't planned. It wasn't fleshy. It was spontaneous. It was of the spirit of God honoring the son of God for what he's done. We get to heaven, I hope we can put up the big screen and see it. That's the story. A woman's faith, a mother's faith, a widow's faith. A mother who was a widow who only had one son, her faith, broke the heart of Jesus, compelled him to step in and do what only he could do. 
In closing, I'd like to give you some lessons we can learn from what we just were told. Because remember, it's not just about a widow who's lost a son, is it? It's not just about a young man who was dead hundreds, thousands of years ago. It's about you and I. It's about the things that we face in this life that bring us sadness and sorrow. It's about the loss of things that mean something to us and how the Jesus then is the Jesus now. And what He did in that day, He can do in this day. He's never changed. Our problem is we've changed. If we only believe. What are some things we can learn very quickly? Well, in no particular order, some things I jotted down. Jesus brings life where there is death. Remember I told you this was death meeting life. And every time death meets life, guess who wins? Life. I didn't say existence meets death. I said life meets death. Because Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. I've come that you might have abundantly down here life, eternally up there life. Jesus said, I can give life because I am life. I am the resurrection in the life. And if you believe in me, though you be dead, yet you will live. So Jesus brings life into death. Not just life physically but life spiritually. Because one day, you and I were dead in our sins and trespasses. And aren't you glad, in our funeral procession, Jesus came by. And He spoke to you, and He spoke to me. And He called our name. And He said, Arise. When Jesus comes, He brings Life to where there's death, physically and spiritually. Secondly, Jesus specializes in hopeless situations. Have you forgot that? Sometimes we do. We panic. Woe is me. What am I supposed to do? I got a call from the doctor. I got a a call from my boss. Got a call from this, got a call from that, facing this, facing that. And we all go into a panic. We forget that Jesus specializes in hopeless situations. If we would but call on Him, cast our cares upon Him, He says, I will answer you, I will take care of you. Are you here tonight and you've got a hopeless situation? at least what you call hopeless? Do you think the Lord's up in heaven sweating it out? I assure you, He's not. He's just waiting on you to respond to Him. You will find me, He says, when you seek me with all of your heart. If you come, I will receive you. If you call upon me, I will hear you. If you cast before me, I'll help you. Many times he will take the initiative, but sometimes he waits on us. 
And when we take the initiative, that's called faith. You say, but pastor, I don't have much faith. You don't have to have much faith if you have but the faith of a mustard seed. You say, pastor, how big's a mustard seed? If I had one in my hand, you couldn't see it. But if you have that kind of faith, you could say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and the mountain would go. Now that's not speaking of a literal mountain, but it speaks of a mountain that's in our lives. Faith has the power to move that mountain. Jesus specializes in hopeless situations. I can't think of nothing more hopeless than somebody that's dead. Jesus brings life to death, whether it be physical or spiritual or both. Thirdly, when Jesus does something, He always acts in a very simple, tender way. He meets the procession, and He holds out His hand just like that, and they stop. He walks up to the coffin, and the Bible says He touches it. He grips it. He speaks words to the widow. He speaks words to the dead young man. And it happens. Let me say that again. Pay attention. He stops the processional with his what? Just his hand. He touches the casket with his hand. He speaks to the widow just one sentence in very simple words. Then he speaks to the young man in the casket, very simple words, and the power of God takes place. Now, why do I say that to you not once but twice? Whenever you hear your pastor say something twice, your little spiritual antennas ought to be going beep, 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 beep. Because I'm trying to teach you something. We live in a day when so-called ministers claim to be able to have the power of God in their ministry. They claim to be able to heal the sick. And they travel all over the country and do big healing crusades. We live in a day when ministers claim to have the miraculous power of God on their ministry. And they can take a poor man and make him wealthy. They can do this, they can do that. They make outrageous claims. And they too travel around the country doing such. But do they do it the way that Jesus did it? Jesus didn't have any theatrics, did he? There was no performance by Jesus with the spotlight and the microphone in his hand. There was no dog and pony show here. There was no hype. There was no hocus pocus. It was not showtime. Simply stop. Simply touch. Simply speak. And the power of God unfolded. Why don't we see that today? Because what is being done is being done in the flesh or the power of darkness. Whenever you see somebody put on display the flesh, you better be cautious and leery. And that's what we see 
And a lot of these so-called ministers who claim to have the power of God to heal or to do this or to do that. And by the way, I'm going to throw this in free of charge. Do you think those that go to these big crusades with physical needs, believing if they can just get close to this faith healer, that he will heal them, do you believe that they get on the platform just by showing up? Let me tell you how it works. I'll let you in a little insider stuff here. You go to a table where you're screened. Not just anybody's getting on that platform before thousands of people and on worldwide television so this faith healer can heal you. You go through a screening process. And only those that have invisible conditions are going to be allowed on the platform. You're not going to see somebody with a limb missing. You're not going to see somebody with a huge gapping wound. You're not going to see somebody with a leg that is crooked as a dog's hind leg. You're not going to see any of that. You know why? Because that can be verified. What you'll see is, is cancers that are supposedly hidden. Muscles and bones that are supposedly broken or pulled. What you're going to see is invisible things that they tell you that this person has. Because they have went through a screening process. And they're allowed on the platform. Not only are they screened before they get up there. Listen to your pastor. They're coached. They're told that you're to respond this way when he does this. Because it's a sign of faith. So when he touches you, you better fall back. That's a sign of faith. If he blows at you, you better fall back. That's a sign of faith. If he looks at you, you better get you better get jittery. Because that's a sign of faith. This is a part of the show. And the show must go on. Because there's money to be made, and you can't make money without the show. See, I love you enough to warn you not to throw your money away at such things. I believe in faith healing, but I don't believe in faith healers. If you can find one that does it biblically and does it the correct way, I'll recant everything I say. I have not seen one. Jesus came. Stop. Touch. Soft, tender words. And God did what God does. Fourthly, we've got to wrap this up. Jesus will only come where he's welcomed and accepted. Why did he show up there? You think it was just accidental? He just happens to be walking into the city as the funeral processions going out of the city? Do you think that's just coincidence or accident? you think that's just incidental? No. Jesus goes where he's welcomed and wanted. You won't find Jesus at country clubs. He's not welcomed and wanted there. You won't find Jesus at political rallies. He's not welcomed or wanted there. You won't find Jesus on ball fields. 
are in, the, are in a boat in the middle of the lake or in a deer stand, he's not wanted there. You won't find Jesus in vacation houses. He's not wanted there. You won't find Jesus in parties where the booze is flowing and the pot is being smoked. He's not wanted there. You won't find Jesus in academic circles that don't believe in him and do all they can to undermine the very teachings of his Bible. You won't find Jesus in some churches because he's not wanted there either. You know where you'll find Jesus? Where he's welcomed and wanted. You'll find Jesus at funerals. You'll find Jesus in cancer wards. You'll find Jesus in orphanages. You'll find Jesus in shelters. You'll find Jesus in divorce courts. You'll find Jesus in prisons. You'll find Jesus in war zones. You'll find Jesus where there's hurting people who all they have is Jesus. And when He shows up, He will give them all of Himself. Is Jesus welcome where you're at? Is He welcome in this church? I hope so. And then lastly, Jesus declares His deity here. I don't know why some people can't accept the fact that He is God in a human being. I don't know why there's any argument about it. But we have people today who will argue to their blue in the face about whether He is God or He's not God. All I know is, is what He said about Himself. He testified of the fact over and over and over again, not just with words, but by what He did, that He is the great I Am. The great I Am. And it's interesting as we read the story, He raised the dead without asking God. Elijah raised the dead in the Old Testament, but what did he do? He asked God. Elisha raised the dead in the Old Testament, but you know how did he do it? He, had, he asked God. God told them the procedure to use to do it. Peter raised the dead. Paul raised the dead. But each of them had the leadership of the Lord to do it. And they followed the procedure of the Lord to do it. But Jesus didn't ask, did he? Why didn't he ask God? He was God. And in his deity, he did what he did. Heads are bowed.